look at well, it's independent, but you know, I don't know how artisanal it is, or that it's innovative or creative. What do they mean by artisanal? What does artisanal mean? <laughs> is hand, it like rustic? Hand carved. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Brews News. Uh, and this is Brews News Week, our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, Claire Burnett. G'day, guys. Good morning, Pete. Hey, I'm, Pete. I'm, I'm thinking of adding entrepreneur um, to that. Oh, you God. Know, Life coach as well. Like, what, <laughs> and I'm going to start recording videos from my car um, oh, because God. I don't think a podcast is enough. Oh, really? Because you've got to be like seen to be on the go. I, I'm so busy entrepreneuring <laughs> that I need to record myself not sitting down in an office. I need to be out entrepreneuring. So, Pete, just if you could update the notes for next week. Ah, uh, shall do. Uh, we cross now live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap-up of stories making news in beer this week. And Claire, uh, I've, I've only just opened the notes. Uh, oh. <laughs> Grogan takes a pay cut as directors as director leaves brew. Indeed. So we've had a bit of brew news um, in the past couple of weeks. And, and to, to be fair, we had actually held off because they've they've been announcing a lot, trickling a lot of news out. And let's face it, it it's it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so once a month month is enough for brew, yeah. I think. Uh, so anyway, in this announcement, uh, they announced that. Kent Grogan, formerly CEO, now consultant, I believe. Consultant rather than boss, so who's running the show? I'm not sure. Well, he's a um, consultant CEO. Yeah. I oh, don't know how that works. A consultant and a CEO. Anyway. Add that to my title, Pete. <laughs> anyway, he's gone from $360,000 a year salary to uh, $180,000 a year, including super. Um, and he'll receive a bonus of $45,000 for every $2 million of sales after the $6 million mark. Bearing in mind that they don't make that much. Well, bearing in mind that... You can sell beer without making a profit, as yep. Brew has yes, shown. Yes, and he's tied over, his over an extended. He's tied his remuneration to revenues, yep. not profits. Interestingly enough, and let's face it: if you're buying two million dollars worth of beer from mm-hmm. CUB, yep. and then selling it for one point seven five million dollars, you're actually not doing much by your company. <laughs> but you know, apparently, you get rewarded anyway. for that. Anyway, read it. It's yep. there. It's it's interesting. Keep an eye on it, um, particularly that they've uh, included an income tax benefit of $1.4 million on the Ballarat property that they haven't sold yet. Um, so, yeah, that'll be it. But we've got a bit more ASX news this week as well, actually. Should we? Uh, we have. And um, the very appropriately named coming off the back of that story, um, <laughs> Good Drinks, um, <laughs> who are a conscious business and do have lots of good people, uh, many of whom Absolutely. we know personally. Um, a share consolidation. And this is a sort of... Not necessarily criticism, but it's a point that's made about uh, businesses on the ASX that every time they raise some capital, they can 
dilute uh, the shareholding of existing shareholders because they're putting more shares out in the market. So Good Drinks um, currently has 1.3 billion shares on issue, which it admitted was a considerable, <laughs> considerable number. <laughs> you, you, you meant to put your pinky to your mouth oh, when I'm you say so billion. Sorry. Um, anyway, so the plan is they've proposed that uh, basically they for every 10 of those shares, um, they turn that into just one share. So obviously that'll mean that everyone's uh, still in proportion, um, they own X amount of X percentage of the business, um, but it'll just look like a smaller number. So it'll be an interesting one to see. Um, I didn't even, I have not really come across a share consolidation before. I didn't know you could do it, um, but it seems like a good move for investors and any potential future investors as well. So we'll see how that goes uh, at Good Drinks. But yeah, it, it, it was interesting uh, again. A world that we don't really inhabit, um, mm. except peripherally because we're a beer site. But the business of beer is increasingly a thing. Yeah, it was just very interesting to see because they've funded a lot of their growth by diluting their shareholdings mm-hmm. um, and selling, creating more shares and all of those sorts of things. And it's interesting to see now they're going, well, let's... Uh, let's squeeze that <laughs> yeah. again. Let's squeeze it back to the way it was. <laughs> Still very different um, uh, seemingly from the way Brew's operating. But exactly. anyway. And possibly coincidentally... Uh, Ross Brown, who's the brewer over at um, Gage Roads, one of many. On the, mm-hmm. Yeah, the cover of um, the spring edition of Beer and Brewer magazine. No way! Oh, are you a subscriber, yet? Pete? About the re- no, I support it. I, no, my, my I don't subscribe, but my um, uh, my my news agent doesn't stock it, but he gets it in for oh. me and holds it for me. Oh, interesting! There you go. Didn't know that. Yeah, there we go. Well, you know, you got to support the business. But uh, an interesting story on the rise of craft lagers. Which I think I think we were probably talking about eighteen months ago. But, yeah, um, I think we were. I, I think we thought leaders. <laughs> I, actually, put that on my uh, bio as well, Pete. Thought leaders. Oh thought leader. no! <laughs> <laughs> just it's just bigger. getting worse. I'm, hang on, we're just going to have to press pause because I'm just going to have to get a bigger piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know if we're going to play bingo each week, um, I want my title to just Matt's tick titles. all of the LinkedIn buzzword bingos. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. All right. We'll make a- it happen. ABC's beer industry analyst. Um, what Ooh, else? I'm like through, yeah, through my one. notes. There's that's lots of things one. that I've. Um, <laughs> yeah, the double vaccinated, um, and now what have we got? Thought leader, entrepreneur, <laughs> thought leading entrepreneur. <laughs> Don't butter him up anymore. <laughs> I'll try to keep up. Ah, oh, now, brilliant. good friend of mine. This is a nice story to uh, mm. to kick off with. Newcastle Distillery plans a crowdfunded brewery. Indeed. So this was an interesting one. We actually caught under it a while ago, but they had to Newcastle Distilling Co. had to um, postpone their uh, crowdfund, their equity crowdfund on Birchall because of COVID. They were having, they were trying to sort loads of things out in the background, which was really interesting. Um, but their plan is they do whiskey, rum, um, all the spirits, seltzers, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they're also thinking of bringing in a brewery. They want to invest in a brewery uh, following the equity crowdfund, 10 heck, uh, six vessel. Um, they're planning just over half a million litres a year. So it'd be really interesting to see that one. I said, you know, it's a really competitive market. Um, you're in spirits, spirits are growing. Why are you going into beer? And the team there were like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting one. We've got a lot of background um, in our team with brewing and the hunter region they said is a really good um expanding growth market for craft beer um really strong supportive culture in the area so it'll be interesting to see how that one goes um because then and our next story in fact is uh on this as well but yeah hunter valley seems to be a bit of a uh, up-and-coming area for breweries at the minute 
Yeah, we, as I say, we, we wish them well. And uh, let's move straight on then, Claire. The mighty Hunter Valley um, set to sell. Uh, Foghorn is going to stay on, though. Yes. So Mighty Graph announced last week um, that it was selling its Hunter Valley venue. So they bought this about two years ago, um, maybe less actually now. And um, it was intended as sort of a platform for all their portfolio of breweries and um, brew brands. And Foghorn was going to be sort of the uh, the flagship type brand and they were going to have their brewery in there. So now they've decided that, in fact, um, they're going to sell it. They're selling it. But uh, Sean and Mark at um, Mike Craft were like, yeah, we're gonna, Foghorn's going to stay on. Uh, they're going to maintain rights over the brewing operation. So whoever moves, who moves in has to basically say, yeah, that's fine and, and work with Foghorn. So it'll be interesting to see who comes in. I doubt it'll be someone like a big box pub or anything like that. But interesting move on Mighty's uh, behalf on account of they also announced uh, just yesterday, I believe, that they were going to sell uh, Jetty Roads or they have sold Jetty Rhodes Dramana site, and then they've leased it back, a big 15-year lease deal, so that Jetty Rhodes not going anywhere, but they have sold that, and they've sold that venue uh, in Hunter Valley. So interesting that they've Capital focused, management, I think. Yes, capital management. <laughs> Although they said, we mentioned capital management in our annual report. They mentioned capital management once in that report. <laughs> I went back and checked, and it was something to, uh, completely unrelated to selling venues. Um, so I was like, mm, I'm not sure you did mention that you were going to sell a load of venues. But interesting strategy, given that that was literally what they said about a year and a half, two years ago, that their strategy was to bring in venues. They also said in their annual results earlier this year that uh, while the brewery venue, so brewery owned um, and if they were existing, I imagine before, most of them before uh, Minecraft took them over, they're get, getting back on track. But the um, mighty venues were actually at 70% of optimal capacity. Um, so I don't know whether the performance was a thing. Um, I did try and get hold of Mark um, for that one, but didn't 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 happen um at the end of last week it must have been a really busy week for them but yeah interesting strategy from them we'll see how that one goes it, it again it's just going back to what i said you know sort of glibly but business you know the, the business of beer is becoming as important as beer itself and this is another example of that you know as we're seeing all of the different strategies going forward you know the craft accelerator and you know now listed craft accelerator um we almost need a like a business journal um, on staff, like a full-time business journal to keep track of all of these capital raisings and, you know, sales and it things like that. It has been my main job this past week, actually, yes. <laughs> ASX stuff. So, yeah, interesting. It seems, um, and I went through this with um, when I managed uh, keg restaurants and um, about halfway through there, um, foray into the Australian market realised that they, they didn't want to be landlords anymore. So they, because originally they, you know, they, they bought, built the restaurant um, and, and then ran it and realised that, no, it's actually, it's a, well, back then, uh, and this was sort of mid, mid-90s maybe, so just after the sort of recession we had to have, um, they realised that it was actually, you're tying up a lot of your capital in property, mm-hmm. which, you know, even if it is appreciating, it's it's not worth anything unless you can, I guess, leverage off it. So they may be looking at, you know, uh, we don't want to be landlords and yeah. concentrate on, I, I guess, you know, the what they you know, stick to their knitting, do what they're good at. Yeah, potentially. And look, it, it's a fascinating model and it was one of the things that when they first um, launched and I had a chat to Mark Hazeman, oh God, what, it was 
probably three or four years ago. Yeah, when, when they first launched and trying to work out how it was going to work. You know, when you don't have a controlling interest in all of the breweries, you're a you're an accelerator, you're providing logistics, um, you know, sales support, you know, brand support, venue support, all of those sorts of things. But in a unit cost game, how they actually make their money, and I know that there are a lot of people in the industries, you know, I, I believe it's worked out quite well for a number of the breweries that have had investments, but there are a lot of people in the industry who are kind of trying to work out how the model is going to work longer term. Um, so yeah, it's it's another one. Uh, put a pin in the uh, put a pin in it and come back to it because we it's one that we continue to watch. Good news stories are just abounding this week, Claire. Um, this one was a particularly uh, pleasing one to see um, because a win for the little guy, but also uh, you know one for Team Beer. Um, Two Bays was named Small Business of the Year. Yes, it was. So um, Two Bays uh, applied to be Zero Australian Business of the Year and I think it was up against about 500 other businesses across the country. Um, so obviously a massive achievement for them and congratulations, like so well deserved. They've done so much this year. It's not been easy for anyone. Um, so to win this was great. But um, Richard... Uh, it's based off a couple of, of many metrics, isn't it? Claire? Yes. Like it, oh, it's yeah. It's based on all sorts. So it's not just like, oh, we're... The most or yeah, exactly. It's not just we're a client them. of zero either. Like um, it's very much a... So what your business strategy who your audience what have you done in the past year what are your focuses and how have you um completed that like if it's sustainability what have you done towards that that kind of thing so it's not as onerous as say a funding um from the sounds of it it's not as onerous as like a funding uh, application but still you did have to prove why you would um be worthy of that I suppose um and yeah obviously two bays came out on top on that one which was fantastic obviously that was completely um industry all industries uh, not just beer not just food not just hospitality um so to win that was amazing um but Richard uh he was fantastic uh, and he was just like what he said something that I really liked which was that making beer is what I refer to as the ticket to the dance um and the rest of it is how you operate as a business your contribution to broader society uh your team and from an investor perspective and I really like that again for Leading into what Matt just said about um, how it's about business as well, not just the beer. Uh, uh, Geez, Pete, when was the first time, you know, we've been doing this thing now for 11 years, um, uh, or this is our 11th year, and I'm not sure at what point we started, you know, because it always used to be craft beer, craft beer, craft beer, in the craft beer business. And there was a point at which we started saying that, you know, the emphasis is increasingly on business, not craft. Um, And... Yeah, you know, God, that would. It feels like that was six or seven years ago, and uh, you know, it. it look, there are some breweries that you watch, and you just see how switched on the operators are, and you know, um, Two Bays is, is is one of those. You know, they're just very, very switched on. They're they're in a very strong niche that you know they've they've rapidly come to own, but. They're not just sitting on their laurels of making good beer in that niche. You know, they 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 operate on many levels, and uh, you know, it, it it just seems to be a really really strong business. And uh, not surprisingly, um, you know, a they've entered an award like this, realizing that it's not just about winning beer bling, but it's you know benchmarking your you, your business as well. So uh, mm-hmm. congratulations, Proper recognition, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and and look, uh, 
where we're talking about Newcastle Distillery um, and, and about being seen to be different. And I think that's the thing that strikes, strikes me about Richard and the team. And, and getting look, good people is obviously good product. And, and I don't know if you've seen the T-shirt, Matt, but um, good beer is um, it's good ingredients, it's good technique, and it's good brewers. Um, and that's really all you need. But the, the people, I think, is the important bit. And, you know, he started out there, AG, Andrew Gow, um, came across there when, um, I think when Mornington, no, was he somewhere else between there? I can't remember. Um, but you get a brewer whose focus is on, okay, let's let's get the product right first. The rest will then, you know, it's no good having a really good marketing strategy or, you know, being seen as being different. Um, if then people get it and go, oh, but it kind of tastes the same as the other, you know, I've been disappointed by, um, uh, and that's the, the criticism. I've been disappointed by gluten-free beers in the past because mm. they're, they're, they're lacking. Uh, and I think that was the, the thing that, and we've mentioned it a number of times, um, being surprised that, okay, I, I, you, mate, you've sent me the wrong beer. This is, this is, there's no way this is gluten-free because it just tastes like a, a you know, the beer that I'm, I'm used to tasting. And um, Christian Martin, I think he's looking after the brewing down there at the moment. And um, as I say, the, 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 the beers that I've had of theirs, uh, uh, you know, just head and shoulders above what has been before. So hopefully that, that sets a bit of a trend um, because, the, you know, in terms of the ancient grains and all that sort of thing, they have been doing things differently than just trying to make beer with different ingredients. Mm. So, uh, yeah, well done to them. Uh, well done also to, well, I guess, Wine Depot and Caddy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this one was a little bit of a surprise because obviously we'd followed Caddy as it went nationwide, as it sort of grew and grew. I didn't think it would be this soon that, that this happened, but apparently it did. So um, Wine Depot's parent company, Digital Wine Ventures, um, also listed on the ASX, funnily enough, has raised $12.75 million to acquire Caddy, um, which is Bloody brilliant. Well done. Good on you. Well done, guys. Very impressive. Um, and just... Now they've got wow. entrepreneur on their business there cards. There you go. There we they go. Will. That's it. What are they? They must only be in their 30s, those guys. They've probably also got cashed up on their business cards as well. <laughs> <laughs> we, which don't add the to mind, Pete. The gold-plated business cards. Absolutely not cashed up. <laughs> and it, now this, might, this might depend on um, borders or which side of the tracks you were born on or which school you went to. Depot or depot? Depot. Oh. I've now the you've maybe what did I say earlier? Wine de- depot? Did I say depot? No, okay. I can't. Well, I can't well, remember. I, that, that kind of I would I would expect that as a, a bit of a, a Yorkshire thing. So, oh, yeah, but I just I, I thought you've possibly spoken to them and heard them say it. So no, no, okay. I didn't. I didn't hear them say why it. Why is it depot <laughs> but despot? Why are you asking about why on the English language? You know it doesn't make sense. Now the uh, the, the silent T on the on the back end of words is uh, English words is a a comma. It's it's like the L in walk. Oh, you know, yeah, or okay. talk or knife, and it's yeah, it comes from the old English where there was sort of arguments over how we're going to spell things. Well, we're going to keep it the old. That's way. what happened when you cobble something together like that yeah, from exactly. a million different things. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Frankenstein. So language. well, well done to Wine Depot. Uh, <laughs> are open for Good Beer Week 2022, fingers crossed. Absolutely. So Good Beer Week is back um, properly, fingers crossed, this uh, for next year, 20th to the 28th of May 2022. And um, they're looking for registrations for events. They want you to come up with an event um, related 
primarily as well, obviously being run by the IBA, um, they want it to be potentially breweries that haven't featured at Good Beer Week before. They want something unique. They want a focus on locality and independence um, and obviously having to be COVID safe as well. So anybody has got any bright ideas, um, their full event registration details are on the article and I'm sure we'll put them in the show notes as well. Um, So that'll be a good one. Reading through, um, and and we've talked a little bit in the past how Good Beer Week is owned by the IBA, but Mm -hmm. then there was never, like it never became an independence only week. Mm -hmm. But as as it's morphed, I was just very interested to see the definition, because they they talk about it's good beer, you know, it celebrates good beer, um, which again is a nice term um, to use until you're trying to find it. Um, because that they when they that was a deliberate. Uh, so when uh, Dale Meddings coined it, it mm. was very much about it's not about a, a particular style of beer or um, an ownership of beer. Not that that had really sort of come but into it at that point. That was before all beer, beer. That was when CBIA was exactly. inclusive and and this this is where things as they evolve they become yeah. incredibly complicated as then you try and re retrofit things to it because now that it's owned by the IBA but conceivably they still want the big well, brewers you- with resources <laughs> and you know uh, in, in involved in it so you know they, they say the definition of good beer is ultimately a subjective one just like the notion of fine wine blah 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 as defined by the festival's charter to be considered good beer a beer should have at least three of the following attributes independent artisanal innovation creative celebrate beers traditional history complements the slow food movement pairs well with food experiences oh well, that's every beer isn't it well Basically, yeah, like of, of the, three of those <laughs> things metric. could be anything. This is the thing, you know. So why... I like a VB with a pie. <laughs> yeah, there you like, go. Cooper's, Cooper's, well with yeah, food. Cooper's <laughs> is done a pie, or you know, um, yeah. and and again, it's a rabbit hole you can disappear down yeah. because, like this year, we this week we've been sent Yoko by uh, Felons, um, which is a partnership, like it's a Japanese lager in partnership with one of their on-premise restaurants called Yoko. So it's a Japanese lager, very light, you know, very crisp, you know, very clean nice. as you would expect yeah, of something that we would actually hate if it was owned by a huge multinational. Well, sorry, we wouldn't hate it, but mm. we would side-eye it um, because, you know, it's not if, good If it beer. was Asahi, yeah. we'd frown on well, it. Well, no, well, we wouldn't, but there would be a, you know, the, the, yeah. the craft beer collective um, movement would, and, you know, in our hearts, there'd be a little corner of our hearts that would be shrinking from it. So you're going, well, it... You know, can, can we have that? Um, at, you know, and and you know, well, it's independent, but you know, I don't know how artisanal it is, or that it's innovative or creative. What do they mean by artisanal? What does artisanal mean? <laughs> is hand, it like rustic? Hand carved. So anyway, yeah, I, I I just really worry that you know, good be a week, fantastic event, you know, all all of those things, but are they over complicating? You know we're either celebrating beer or we're not. You know, we're either just going to be open that we need this event to fund the IBA's broader activities and we'll, you know... And we're going to accept that the big guys are going to be We're in going there. to accept that the big guys are in the it as well. Pockets, so. Because we need their money yeah. or not. Um, but then again, what does that then say about independence? You know, when... Well, yeah, again, it's, it's, it, it, I, I just worry that it's overcomplicating it and when consumers want simple... Tugs on their heartstrings that this may not be, yeah, you know, th- th- this may be making it a little bit hard. 
Mm. Um, that said, I'll be there. I'll be there waving, you know, the good beer flag. It could be a week <laughs> with you, Pete. Yeah, well, just just beware. Just the last time a, a, an organisation tried to do a collaboration with Yoko, it didn't work out all that well. Uh, as John Lennon said, <laughs> think of all of the Beatles. music that was created by them as individuals. She didn't break up the Beatles. She freed them to be more creative and we got much more music as a result. So, yeah, so you can tell John Lennon's your favourite and Paul McCartney's mine because we, we have very different views on uh, how that all went down. Anyway. <laughs> that was um, Linda Eastman. A, a quick <laughs> shout out. A, a quick, um, before we, uh, before we, we wrap up the news side of things, just back to uh, two bays, um, and a shout out to, to Richard Jeffers and the team. Now, you guys might be looking at uh, having to update your labelling now to reflect the fact that, you know, you might have oh, two bays. Yeah. get a small, little badge. Small business of the year, yeah. like a little a logo or a Chevron or something added to it. Um, you could do worse than to pick up the phone and call Railings Label Stickers and Packaging because they're not, they can supply labels for your cans or your bottles. Well, you don't have bottles, but um, they can also supply printed or blank cartons with um, small business of the year on them, can trays with small business of the year on them, tap deckles that have Small Business of the Year on them, uh, barcodes and shrink sleeves that have Small Business of the Year on them. Um, and they'll be already applied to empty beer cans ready for filling. Uh, so the cans come to your door, palletised, ready to fill, nothing more to do except call 1300 852 235 to discuss further. Uh, and that's it for the news. Nothing late added? All done? I don't think so. Clear? I don't no, think so. Uh, just one that okay. we may be covering today, truly cider. Um, but it's truly seltzer, which is Boston oh, Beer Company's, yeah. has been uh, is to be distributed in Australia by Campari. Um, so we'll oh. be just posting something about that today. Which again, it's sort of only because so many breweries have embraced seltzer. Will this be the seltzer of summer? The summer of seltzer. Yeah, I don't even care enough to get the words right. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. I just found, oh, sorry, the, and, and the thing that made that interesting and noteworthy here is it's interesting that um, Sam Adams isn't officially distributed in Australia by anyone, I don't think. Um, when I went looking this morning, I thought vaguely they did have a distributor, but they don't seem to now. Pete, do you oh, know? Okay. No, no, I'm just trying to think where they used to come. You know, uh, it's not Beach Avenue Wholesalers. Um I couldn't find it on any. I had a vague memory that Coopers might have picked them up, but that was um, uh, that was oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because I was thinking it was more going to be you know like somebody who who brought in things like um, Anderson Valley or yep. uh, you know uh, Dogfish Head or whatever it might be. Couldn't find them anywhere. Um, oh, and, there you go. Yeah, so it doesn't seem to be. So I, I just found yeah I, that was quite interesting that you know the US's biggest craft beer brand or one of the US's biggest craft beer brands, I haven't seen the latest table, isn't being imported, but Seltzer is going to be made under licence here um, by Campari. So obviously they figure that that market's not too crowded, um, but it's clearly going to get crowded. Is Campari a producer? I thought, like, do they have a... Uh, it's going to be manufactured here, but then again, they may do it under license. You know, they oh, so license to Campari, but they'll outsource it to. They may not have facilities here. I haven't heard of yeah. them. I'm not aware of it. We'll certainly do our uh, research on that one. But yeah, um, yeah. Again, there is Laverton that has the capacity to make those sorts of things. Uh, I, I believe there's a big brewery in uh, Central New South Wales that is currently making beers for an independent craft brewery <laughs> that also makes uh, things like that. So 
there, there is capacity out there, Pete, for someone, you know, for, for a hungry young business that wants to, you know, kickstart and entrepreneurialise a new brand as their, you know. Opportunities await. Opportunity knocks. And if you're awaiting an opportunity to uh, leave now, like you finished your run or whatever, um, <laughs> thanks for joining us and goodbye. But if you want to hang around... Let's uh, face it, it's a podcast. There is an off switch. <laughs> that's right. Better pause and a 1.5. Uh, it's time for Below the Fold. And we always begin Below the Fold with our mailbag, which is thanks to our good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to triptubnzaletrail.com or at nzaletrail on all the social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. And watch out tonight. Uh, tonight, the Brewers Guild of New Zealand is announcing their beer awards, I believe. Awards. Um, so we'll be looking out carefully for a um, release about that to see who the best beers in New Zealand are, because no doubt some of them are on that ale trail and you can visit once you're double vaxxed yeah. and the borders are open. Because that's that's one thing that's that's changed quite a bit is the the availability of New Zealand beer into Australia. I know um, Chur uh, stopped, stopped sending Garage Project. You can still get over here, but there's a lot of them. And with COVID and all the rest of it, I think, you know, it's it's been a little bit difficult. Deep Creek have got some good good inroads into Australia, but there's a, there's a lot of other is stuff here. over there that we won't hear. What's that? Urbanaut um, is here. Um, again, they're, they're one that really, uh, they, they did that those mixes where you got the two, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, 375 mil cans that you could blend, you know, the the, yeah. the blend series. cocktail kind of, mm. yeah. Now, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. Uh, hit like and subscribe, smash that like button and uh, share it with your friends and all that sort of thing because it costs nothing to you, but it helps other beer lovers uh, discover this podcast. Which it helps is us. Which is what we like. And it helps us, exactly. Now, you can go into the draw to be uh, a letter of the week. We'll read it out. It can be a comment. It can be a um, an email or, uh, you know, something whispered out the side of your ha- mouth. So uh, you can also join our Facebook group. Don't forget that. Uh, just search Radio Brews News and use the password uh, soapbox. All right, what have we got, Claire? So, well, we're starting with a bit of a sad one. You might have seen in the news this past week about Jimmy Brings and them being associated with, allegedly associated with the death of a man who was getting alcohol delivered to his door pretty much every day for like a month. So obviously it was really sad, really horrible story um, and says a lot about how people how people perceive um, deliveries and how people deal with online a delivery of alcohol. Just the availability um, of alcohol generally. The availability yep. in general. Um, but obviously it was two years ago, so I believe it was 2018, so it wasn't related to um, like COVID drinking or anything like that. Um, but I think in the years since, it's just made it more relevant. So um, we had someone write in. Uh, we done... probably should say that, look, yeah, this is potentially upsetting. Yes. Um, um, so, you know, Trigger warnings here. Um, alcoholism, uh, mainly. So, uh, name withheld. Uh, they said, as someone who's observed a resident of a hotel I used to work at literally drink himself to death, I can attest to the difficulties trying to help someone who's hell-bent on destroying themselves. We barred him from buying any alcohol over the bar and packaged months before. He simply got his partner to buy alcohol for him at the supermarket. I had the misfortune of finding him dead in his bed on the day I'd been directed to tell him his rent was long overdue and he had to pack his stuff and leave the hotel. I was about 20 years old. The sight of his grey skin will never leave me. This article says little to nothing about the individual. Alcohol retailers do have a responsibility to minimise harm to individuals and the community and maybe there's more that could have been done in this situation. I'm just not sure the outcome would have been any different. Fair point. And thank you for sharing that with us. That must have been quite hard um, to brought 
bring that one back up but absolutely right there are things that we can do that we should do to protect people that are vulnerable like this and obviously from the sounds of it we don't know the exact details but this online retailer wasn't doing that but look uh, yeah ultimately there are limits to what you can do to save somebody from themselves yeah um, as we know but it was ironic that this last friday the um Queensland government had the hearings about whether or not hotels and you know or cafes and restaurants can sell a takeaway six pack, and you had the hotel Queensland Hotels Association talking about responsible service of alcohol and mm-hmm. that they've, and yet you, you can rock up there by you know cheap as um, spirits if, that you're going to write yourself off, and yet they want to protect their monopoly to do that you know along with their pokey revenues and all of the other things that you know only hotels do in Queensland um, and, and yet they want to stop restaurants and cafes from selling a six-pack with food mm-hmm. um, at restaurant and cafe prices and you know it, it it's should surely have a different use case than going to the bottle shop or ordering online and buying th- mm. five bottles of wine a day or whatever yep. your poison is um, but and I think I really do think that people have realized that obviously as we say this is 2018 people have moved on now there are codes of conduct retail drinks have brought that in people have gone out and said you know we are we've seen that this could be a problem the alcohol anti-alcohol lobby have said this is an issue and people have actually heard that and are changing the way that they do things um in this one though and I don't think it this is particularly an issue necessarily for a smaller brewery. If a smaller brewery is getting orders, it'll see the names. It'll there'll be a more of a personal connection. Something with an an online retailer that big, there's going to be people falling through the cracks inevitably, and that's not right. I'm not saying it's right, yep. but because of the size and because of the data and because of everything being so the division of labour being so divided, and nobody's going to history that. when it comes to problem gamblers, you yeah. know, and things like that, you know. We can point to the the problematic history with gamblers that they can also track and they can ban and they mm-hmm. can stop, but they haven't because they've got a very strong incentive not to. And you know, codes of conduct are only as good as the enforcement. I think, uh, Pete, you like to say, you know, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. And you know, you mm-hmm. can have a code of conduct, but unless it's being enforced and unless people value the reason for it. Um, they're, 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 they're largely meaningless because the people who will do the right thing are going to do the right thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and there's a couple of things to that. I think uh, there's only so much you can do. You, you're responsible for your own actions. So as a business, you've got to do whatever you can to make sure that you are being as responsible as you can be. But that doesn't extend to saving everybody from, from themselves. And whether you're a... Um, you know, a gambling outlet or a, an alcohol retailer or, or whatever it is you, that you're doing. At the end of the day, you know, you, you build a better mousetrap, the, the mouse will work out a way, you know, eventually. Mm. But there's always there's always a loophole. Yeah. Um, you can You've only got to do fight that good fight though, don't you? Influence. Yeah. You do, and you need to be – it's good to be aware of it, um, but by the same token, you, you can't beat yourself up for, um, for something that, at, at the end of the day, is not your responsibility. You know, we're all – if you're an adult buying, it's different if you're selling it to kids. That I don't want to, you know, get blur the lines here. Um, but if you're an adult and you want to gamble or you want to drink or you want to um, race cars, you know, whatever it might be, you've, you've, you're undertaking a risk, and yet but, you have to accept the consequences of of that risk. Absolutely, but but these two things can operate 
you know, the the, the, the the two approaches can operate without being mutually exclusive. On one hand, you can say, look, if somebody wants to be self-destructive in whatever format or you know, not even consciously be self-destructive, but if somebody is addicted, mm. um, you know, there there is only so much I can do to, to intervene in their life. But at the same time, I have 100% control over my own attitude and the things that I'm willing to accept. Um, and... I look. I, I hear it a lot where people say, "Look, if I don't do it, somebody else will," as if that makes shitty behaviour acceptable. Mm. Um, you know, well, you know, if I don't profit from this problem, then somebody else will. That to me is the wrong mindset. You know, you need to set the standard that you know may see you miss, and you know, and I'm heavily um, air quoting this. Um, uh, you know, an opportunity or you know, ability to sell, but you need to set this. You, you are the standard that you are willing to accept and that you are willing to see in the world. And if everybody goes, oh look, you know, yeah, you know, it, it's that old thing. If if everybody goes, oh look, you know, somebody else is, you know, cheating on their taxes or somebody else is, I may as well. Then yeah, you know, everyone's doing it, and you've got no one. You've got no ability to complain about how shit the world is. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And if there's something that's in your power to do to help stop or create an obstacle for someone, yeah, obviously they've got that. There's you do it yourself you've got authority on yourself that's the only person you're responsible to but if you make that harder for them then there's going to be barriers if you can put barriers there then that helps and the distinction between the good operators and the bad operators is clearer Um, and and all of those sorts of things and you know it's something that we come back to and I think you said it so beautifully a couple of weeks ago Pete you know it's a a privilege to to, it's an adult strength it's not a you know it, it, it is something that comes with responsibilities and you know, there are responsibilities that we need to place on ourselves for operating in this industry to have that social yep. license. And in any respect uh, to your life, I'll, um, I'll leave you with the uh, the quote from possibly the 20th century's uh, greatest uh, philosophers, be excellent to each other. Like if you if you run that across, if you, you basically place that as a template across anything that you're considering doing, you can't go, you're not going to go too far wrong. There you go. Like As I've always said to my like kids, you know, do the right thing because it's the right thing to like, do, yep. not because someone tells you. Yeah, or you can get something or... out of it. Yeah, exactly. Nice one. And a shout out to Mrs. Watch. She probably didn't listen, but she was a, a longtime uh, teacher at the at the school and then deputy principal. And um, yeah, you know, we used to often talk about, you know, would you know, well that behaviour? Would you do it? You know, if, if if do it if if Mrs. Ward wasn't watching you. Yeah, mm, like it. So there you go. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, zero elk. Indeed, still getting comments on zero elk. I know it's it's, it's, not, it's go- not going away in a hurry. It's not, it's not going away. It, it is. It is. <laughs> You're not convinced, Pete. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll bring it back. I'll write a note in my diary. That's not, Pete that's says so that the, the good ones will survive, but yeah. I just don't think that everyone's going to be, be able to have throwing yet. the same energy and burning the same um, amount of calories no. that, um, that that that's happening at the moment. That's it. Um, on, on that front, uh, Chris Bride says, I've become really interested in no alk beer after listening to some of the Beer as a Conversation episodes. I was keen to find uh, some below-the-fold discussion on the branding of no alk. Uh, less about the ethics and more about what will grow the category. I'm not convinced the major brands launching extensions will work, uh, Great Northern Zero, etc. Uh, it might convince a Great Northern drinker to try it once, but to me it seems like we'll end like uh, VB's Pale Lager or Midstrength. I don't think No Alcofilt fits with the core brands. I think there'll be a brand that defines the category and then we'll get acquired just like a certain Pacific Ale. But keen for thoughts on the topic. Interesting, mm. guys. What do you think? I mean, 
the whole brand extension like master brand thing does bug me a little bit it is a bit lazy it's very much like oh well this works so these drinkers are obviously going to go for this but strong branding and we've we've spoken Mm. ad nauseum about how good and strong a brand uh great northern is um so i think leveraging off that i think is not a uh, not a dumb thing to do. I think they've, they've obviously worked out, you know, we, we're we going to sell more uh, unless we, you know, than if we called it, say, you know, Marlin non-alcohol or, mm-hmm. you know, some, like create a, a new brand. Because yeah. um, I think yeah, people go, well, you know, if I like up. that. And, and, and again, we've spoken ad nauseum about the, the different sort of use case scenarios. So if somebody's, oh, look, on the weekend, I love having me six-pack of Great Northern, you know, watching the footy on a Saturday afternoon or after I've mowed the lawn or whatever it might be. But on Wednesday when I knock off with the boys um, and we go down and we, you know, uh, punt on the dogs or whatever at the sports bar, instead of having, you know, I can't have six then, but I can still drink my Great Northern, have a couple of... Greg uh, Normans. A couple of Greg Norman zeros. But Pete, the, I don't know. Yeah, no. Look, I, I 100% agree, and you can completely understand the opportunity that a, the strong brand presents. But I'm always fascinated by the idea of opportunity cost. You know, anytime you spend five dollars on one thing, there are all of the things you can't spend the five dollars on. You know that mm. economic principle. If if you see the value in pursuing the you know, existing alcoholic brand line extension because of the value of that, because it's an adult drink and because of the strength of that brand. Um, and, you know, does that, is the opportunity cost of pursuing that option that you can't sell it in supermarkets, you know, next to a soft drink? Because are you then normalizing that brand to children in a place that they can't otherwise get alcohol? Um, okay. You know, that's that, and I don't know the answer to that, but I, I certainly know that that's what the anti alcohol lobby are very strongly um, advocating because they have absolutely zero trust and zero faith in alcohol related businesses. And to some extent, that's warranted um, because of their behavior in the past. And, you know, that's part of, again, this social license and the trust that you get based on your past behavior. Whereas a sober or something like that that has a completely different brand has a completely different meaning to the whole brand. Um, does that then, you know, if, if it's not a line extension of alcohol, and this is something that ABAC has been grappling with, you know, it, it's and they've identified how messy it is and how how difficult it, it it becomes. You know, should zero alcohol line extensions be subject to the same restrictions that the um, full alcohol one are, just because it's the same name as the yeah, because it does have that capacity to appeal. You know, even if yeah. they're not intentionally doing it, it does have the ability to normalise it or you know, or things in the same way that you know the old fad, you know, cigarette lollies did. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, look, I, I don't know. That's just devil advocate stuff there. Um, but you know, there, there is a cost to every business decision you make. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I can't think where I saw the ad. It might have might have popped up on. A YouTube ad or something uh, for um, Somerset uh, Seltzer. So Somerset or Somersby? Somersby, sorry, Somersby. Okay. Um, so are they getting like are they going? Well, you know, nobody's buying cider anymore because it's all everyone's going for seltzer. Mm-hmm. But they might still have that uh, brand attachment to mm. to uh, Somersby. I don't know. 
Um, because I, I, I look at we, we talked about oh you know the the explosion of, of cider and then all of a sudden there were cider with ginger and cider with all these other you know the the brand extensions were coming out before you know the the, the brand itself had sort of had a, a chance to establish and we, we don't really talk about cider at all did we talk more do we did we like was there ever a cider explosion there was you know the potential for and, and that's again coming back to the zero alk that's where i'm fascinated because there did seem to be you know every brewery had a cider every yeah. um yep. you know so even if we weren't talking about and, explosion and some of chose, it, yeah yeah some was, chose to make it an extension of their brand and others bought it out as a separate brand and so it was, was a non-beer beer. offering that you could offer in your tap room or your bar, and so a lot of them were just sort of making because you know, I don't like beer, because I don't like beer. Partner doesn't like beer, yeah. But it was never talked about in the same hype and the same breath as seltzer, for example, or alcohol. Uh, yeah, well, so my recollection is that we did that we it, it was because we we talked about well, yeah, it's you know eight hundred percent increase, but coming off a very low base, very low base. Yeah, mm. I don't think it. Yeah, I, I just don't ever it think it, it ever had the when, same when, hype. Yeah, the last year that we've been yeah. talking about seltzer, yeah. um, I remember, and ginger beer was was probably a, another one as well. Where it's oh, sort yeah. of yeah. okay, the cider's not working, or people don't like oh, people you know ginger beer, and then it, once somebody makes a ginger beer, everyone wants a ginger beer. That's it. <laughs> have, um, have you guys seen the? Uh, I can't remember. I, Daniel Massey, watching last week's Saturday Night Live, and they did a skit on hard seltzer that seems to sum up the trend. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, everyone was coming out with a seltzer. So uh-huh. you, you had clothing companies coming out with a, a seltzer uh-huh. just because everyone was drinking it. So A seltzer for skateboarders. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it was it was quite funny. So if you want to see that, um, yeah, anyway. Look it up. Look at, look, look. Or join, join our Facebook group and you'll, you'll find it there, <laughs> I assume. Yeah. Now, Pete, you need, you you need to go, don't you? You've got a. I do in uh, in about five. Five, okay. So we've we got more. We've got one last one. Well, but the, that's on. Okay, so 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 this was a one last letter. Hi, I was wondering if you're planning on revisiting the impact of the independent beer industry of the momentous sale of Stone and Wood for a future podcast. My f- general feeling is that the issue came and went from view very quickly, too quickly, given that this was our number one independent brewer run by a cast that was vocally anti-corporate. How do drinkers feel? How do brewers feel? What's the impact on the image brand of independence? Um, So we'd put that off. And funnily enough, uh, just because we'd had a few similar um, conversations about when we were going to do it, we were going to do it this week. But Pete, you're... Can you come back later today to record a special below, Below the Fold or... All right, yeah. cool. Okay, so, so we'll do that today. Um, so we might bring this one to a close. In that case, nothing left to do except thank the team, the singular team at Cryer Malt, mm. made up of many individuals. Um, Relling's label stickers and packaging, similar, uh, and uh, good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail for making all of this possible. Um, thanks very much, Matt. Thanks very much, Claire. See you sooner rather than later. And I will thank our good friends at uh, Thirsty Merch um, who make our dog bone bar blades. Uh, bar I've blade. been raining like <laughs> confetti along the world. I've got a, anyone who's waiting, I've got some here um, and including a couple of that have T-shirts in. So if you do get read out um, and you want a bar blade, don't forget to follow up. Chase us up because we won't chase you up. Uh, you're, you're a postal address so we can send you a bar blade and maybe even a shirt. Done. So or just send you think, your shirt yeah, size. Even if you think you might write a comment in weeks or months or years to come, um, send us a preemptive, <laughs> and we'll just keep it on keep it on file. Also, if you if you do a review, because you know 
if, if you want to help us out and maybe you know, there's yes. a link in the show notes to give us a couple of shekels a week um, just to help pay for all of this. Um, but then again, when you work it out, the 15 minutes it takes to actually go to iTunes and write a review and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, based on your average weekly, uh, you know, ordinary time earnings, you know, it's probably, you know, five, six, seven dollars of your time. We'll reward that with a bar blade as well. <laughs> but just go and do it. Help us out. So until next week or until next we meet, drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other, and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 